Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This happened quite a while ago when I was home alone with just my dog. After all this time, I'm sure that what happened was really strange, and while I have no idea what this person wanted, I can only assume the worst. So I was watching TV one night at about 11 p.m. when I heard a car pull up outside and the engine shut off. I figured it was obviously a neighbor, but my nosy dog wanted to have a look and went to the window. He'd kind of messed up the blinds when he went to look, so I got up to fix them. When I did, I noticed a car parked on the street across from my house and my neighbor's house. I couldn't really make out any details, but it looked like the driver was still sitting in the car. Once again, I didn't really think much of it. I got a drink and went back to watching TV. Quite a while had passed since I fixed the blinds, but I'm not quite sure how long. I'd guess about 15, maybe 20 minutes. Out of nowhere, I thought I heard a tapping at the door. Not a knock. It was much lighter and much more quiet. My dog sat straight up to look at the door, and I paused the TV when the same tapping then began at the window. I opened the blinds just a crack and saw a man standing there. I couldn't make out his face properly, and he immediately walked back to the door and began tapping at it once more. Now, admittedly, this doesn't sound very frightening, and I can't tell you why, but at that moment, I had this awful feeling of dread set down right over me. I felt absolutely terrified and I had no clue as to why. The tapping at the door never stopped, but something in my head said, if I open the door, then something really bad was going to happen. I went upstairs to open a window to ask what this person wanted. It felt safer doing this. The man said in a really quiet voice that he was delivering pizza and told me how much it cost. At this moment, I felt a bit stupid for being so frightened about a food delivery, but I told him that I didn't order pizza. I guessed he was speaking quietly and knocking lightly so he wouldn't disturb my neighbors. My dog had followed me upstairs and was letting out the odd growl and bark, which is really unusual for him. I was doing my best to settle my dog when the man downstairs told me that he indeed had the correct address and I better get downstairs now and open the door to pay for what I owed and collect my food before it got cold. I was truly confused because I most definitely didn't order any food and began to tell him that when I noticed that he didn't have a pizza in his hand. I told him again that he had the wrong address and that's when he got really angry. He kept telling me to open the door. He was going between angry and sort of trying to persuade me to go back downstairs. I asked him where the pizza was he said very matter-of-factly, yet agitated, that he was holding it. It was really dark out, but he definitely didn't have anything in his hands. My dog was making quite a bit of a fuss at this point, and the stranger had turned into a broken record, come downstairs, and open the door. All the noise must have alerted my neighbor, who did open his front door, and the man didn't say a word, but practically sprinted back across the street to the car that I had heard pull up a while ago. 
he went back to the car empty-handed. I have no idea what he wanted, but he certainly wasn't a delivery driver. It really freaked me out as well that my dog is quite obviously a large breed, and the man saw him through the window, yet wasn't deterred at all from whatever he had planned. It seems even stranger and less random that he actually drove to my house as though he had planned on showing up. At this point, so far removed from this happening, I'm not sure if I was more frightened or weirded out at what was happening. The idea of having a stranger pull up and attempt to get you to open your door at nearly midnight is certainly creepy. To do it under the guise of delivering food as a means to make it seem like you have a reason to be there feels even more seedy. I'm glad I had the sense to not even crack the door that evening, and I encourage everyone to be sure who they're opening their home to before they even think of unlatching that door. This happened in the early 70s. My family, including my uncle by marriage, were all born and raised in a tiny area in the deep south. This story still gets told at family reunions, and I have full permission for my aunt and uncle to tell it, but I don't feel comfortable revealing any information such as where we're from. My uncle went away, fought in Vietnam, returned home, and he and my aunt, my dad's older sister, got married. While my uncle was in Nam, he said when something bad was going to happen, like something awful to one of his friends over there, or when there was a bad battle with his company, he could almost feel it. He spoke of there being the sense of dread that would sweep over the entire camp. Sometimes he would have that dread, like a feeling of burden for a week or so before anything happened. Sometimes it would just be an hour or so, or anywhere in between. So here goes the story. It was January or February, and the weather had been unseasonably warm that year. My aunt and uncle had only been married a few months, and my uncle was heading out of town the following day for something job-related, and he was going to be gone for about two weeks. He and my aunt were not looking forward to being apart. So it's a Sunday, and they decided to make that day special. He went to church with her, which was something he rarely did and they decided to splurge and eat at one of our great seafood restaurants. And then afterward, they were going to walk on the beach together. My aunt said they were having such a great time that day. They had seen old friends at church. The restaurant was really good. It was just one of those days where everything seemed to be going right. On the way to the beach they were headed to, my uncle said he was beginning to have that same sense of dread that he had when he was in the war. Although he didn't want to spoil my aunt's fun, he thought he was having a flashback, or what we now call PTSD. He was trying not to take it seriously, but he said the sense of foreboding was particularly bad. They got to the beach, and to explain something about this particular beach, you had to park beside the road and walk across a wide expanse of sand to get to the water. This beach was very secluded, especially at this time of year. My aunt was walking in her stocking feet collecting shells and having a great time. She loved the beach, and she still does. They saw another young couple walking as well. My aunt and uncle didn't know them, although they seemed like late teens in age. Anyway, my uncle said that he couldn't fight that bad feeling any longer. He grabbed my aunt by the arm and said, we've got to get out of here. She got mad, she wasn't ready to go yet, and he was dragging her across the sand towards their car as they were arguing the whole way. He didn't tell her what was wrong, 
because he even felt he was probably having a flashback. But he said he felt 100% better once they were in the car and headed home. And my aunt got over being mad. As they were driving home though, my aunt and uncle both recall seeing a big car and it had four hippie type guys in it. They passed them on the road and it looked like that big car was heading towards the beach. Fast forward a day, there's a story in the newspaper. My uncle realized why he was having such a bad feeling. These four guys kidnapped the other couple that my uncle and aunt saw out there on the beach. The guys were actually local men, and my aunt and uncle had gone to school with a couple of them. The four guys were on some kind of drug, and they put the guy in the trunk, and they took this woman out and assaulted her for hours. They had a gun, kidnapped them from the beach at gunpoint, and this shocked the entire area because crime like this was nearly unheard of. If my aunt and uncle would have stayed at that beach, there's no telling what would have happened to them. In fact, as terrible as this might sound, I have a feeling in me that both my family members would have been shot that day. My uncle would have fought his hardest to give my aunt a chance to get away, and if they had a gun, chances are they were ready to use it. The law had been looking for these four guys all day because they had gotten into some other mischief the day before so the police had a description of them and their vehicle. When they finally did catch up with those men, they found the man of that couple beaten and battered in the trunk and that poor woman in terrible shape herself. I give my uncle's gut feeling all the credit in the world for keeping the both of them safe that day 50 years ago. I'm grateful that he listened to his feeling when he did, and I'm so sorry that that other couple didn't have that same premonition. I was watching the Jeffrey Epstein doc on Netflix last night, and I'm spooked. I literally had a mini panic attack with all these memories flooding in. As I'm laying in bed watching, a girl's face flashes across the screen, and I recognized one of his victims as one of my really good childhood friends. I don't know if this belongs here, but here's my story. I lived in South Florida all my life with my crazy controlling parents that wouldn't let me do anything as a kid. No phone calls to friends, no extracurricular activities unless it was academic. Couldn't have friends over, and you can forget about me going over to anyone else's house. Plus, my dad worked at my school during my elementary school years, so I had to be on my best behavior always. When I went to middle school, I was so f***ing pumped. Finally, some type of freedom. My personality started to shine, and making friends came easy to me. Fast forward to a year in, and I'd become really good friends with these two girls. We can call them Heather and Sharon. They were both pretty, popular, friendly. But what fascinated me most was that Heather was the only girl in middle school that I knew that was able to sleep over at a boy's house. It was something so foreign to me, since my parents told me I couldn't even go on a date with a boy until after I graduated high school so I automatically thought she was the coolest chick I had ever met. Throughout our friendship, we were known as the tripod. We had all the same classes and lunch periods, so we all got pretty close. Over time, Heather would always ask me to hang out with her and Sharon, either after school or on the weekends, but with my parents, there was no way in hell. I did attempt multiple times to ask for permission with no success each time, not even a maybe. I was so bummed because 
I always felt left out having Heather and Sharon hang out without me, something I would eventually become grateful for. One day, while sitting out in the courtyard for lunch, Heather pulled me aside and asked what I thought about skipping school for a day. I instantly freaked and thought about that automated phone call that the school makes to your house to let your parents know that you weren't at school. If my parents ever got that, my ass would be toast. So I shut that idea down right away, kind of laughed it off because there would be no way to pull it off. But she literally would not stop asking. So eventually, she convinced me and we were ready to start the planning. It took us about a week every day during lunch trying to figure out how to pull this off. The thrill of it had me so excited as I'd never done anything like this before. The plan was to have my mom drop me off at school as usual and have the girls there waiting for me and we would simply just walk off to the gas station that's near the school and have one of Heather's friends pick us up. Not sure how I planned on dodging the school call but whatever. Oh, and I forgot to add, Heather made it a point several times to remind me that I need to wear something that would give me an innocent look. I blew this off because I was only 13 years old. I looked innocent enough. The plan goes smoothly, and we're walking to the gas station. But as we're walking, Heather's cell phone is blowing up. Like constant phone calls and texts coming through. Each one she answers, just meet us at the gas station like we usually do. At this point, I'm confused because I thought it was supposed to be the tripod hanging out for the day. As we get closer to the gas station, I see a group of like seven other girls standing there, and they're around my same age. Some girls I've even seen around school. Others I don't recognize, but they all perk up when they see Heather walk up. All of a sudden, Heather yells, Who's ready to make some money? And almost all the girls raise their hands and start cheering. I grab Sharon and ask her what she's talking about. The look that Sharon gave me is one I'll never forget. It was like she was saying, get out now while you still can. It just made me very uncomfortable and she never ended up saying anything. It was just weird. A big group of young girls who should be in school just hanging at a gas station. As we're standing there, two black Lincoln town cars pull up and make a sudden stop right in front of us. Heather starts numbering the girls and tells the first group to get in the first car. And as they do, that car speeds away. The other one slowly rolls down the window, and I see this older man with sunglasses on just sitting there smiling. He asks if we're ready to go to the mansion, which excites the two other girls standing behind me. He opens the door, and they both jump right in, followed by Sharon. Heather is standing next to me, and she nudges me to go on, but as she does, I start going off on her, asking her what the hell is going on, where are we going, who is this man, and why she didn't mention any of this in her plans. She's looking almost annoyed at me and says, out of all the girls I bring, you're the only one that's giving me a problem. I thought you would want to get out and finally have some fun, and with your body, you could make a killing. At the time, I was so naive, I didn't know exactly what she meant, but by the tone of her voice and how pressured she was making me feel, I ended up backing out and ran all the way back to school. As embarrassed as I felt for bailing on my friends, I feared my mom and her belt a lot more. Plus, going off in a car with someone I'd never met 
screams stranger danger right to my face. I am so grateful that my parents put that fear in me, or else I don't know if I would have made the smart decision. After that, I barely hung out with Heather ever again. She tried a few more times, but I just got terrible vibes from her and cut her off. But I always saw her randomly walk out of school towards that gas station, and always with another group of girls. Sharon, on the other hand, she started to spiral into depression slowly. She would only hang out with Heather and would cling to her like a lost puppy. I noticed she would miss school more frequently, until one day, she just stopped coming altogether. Years later, I found out that she had committed And recently, after watching the doc, I'm convinced she was one of Jeffrey Epstein's victims, and Heather was one of his recruiters. As all these memories have come back, it really served to confirm that I made the right decision all those years back. I'll take strict parents and a lack of personal life any day over what I imagine all those girls were exposed to. I'm not sure where you are now, Heather, but I hope that the weight of your actions have settled in on you, and that's something that you have to live with every day.